around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to The Greatest Discovery, a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica, and it is a big day. Yeah. After a big weekend. A big day, a big weekend. I took a big dump before we started recording. I think maybe the first thing we should say is that we're officially announcing that the name of this show is The Greatest Discovery, and that we are going to use this show as our podcast to discuss all of the new Star Trek, not just Star Trek Discovery, but uh, all of these new shows that are totally official now, and and uh, we wanted to spend some time in the Marin talking about those new shows. You talk to any communications or marketing professional, and they'll tell you, Ben, you mm. don't want to change your brand midstream. And no. when you have a show like The Greatest Discovery, which is treading water, just sort of middling in the Star Trek downloads. <laughs> uh, you don't want to mess with, with an okay thing. Don't mess with moderate success. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, we are in total agreement. We're going to keep the name as it is and definitely not fuck with the feed. Uh, I think that's, that's most crucial, right? Yeah. So I counted, Adam, five television show things that we should probably address. All right. Star Trek Picard, Short Treks, a speculative show about Captain Pike number one and Spock. Uh-huh. Lower Decks the cartoon and season three of Star Trek Discovery. All all made news at Comic-Con this year. <laughs> all made news two days after the day I was at Comic-Con. <laughs> It was fucking great. Like, as soon as I got on the plane and flew out of San Diego, stuff started to come apart. It was amazing. All right, he's gone. (laughs) It was great. Like, I, uh, I, I met the Mission Log guys on the convention floor very briefly. Like, that was, that was fun and cool. And I think as soon as they saw me turn and walk away, they were like, great, now all the news can fall onto us exclusively. I wonder if they knew before beforehand. There's no fucking way they knew. They're they may be in the pocket, but I don't think they're like in the room. I mean, the the pocket might be disseminating privileged information to them, though. I mean, it, they could be embargoed, I guess, and and just not have done anything with it. That would, I don't know. It, it seems like if they had access to special information, they would make a big deal about that, but. I don't know. Hey, you know, speaking of uh, Star Trek podcasts, there's now going to be an official Star Trek podcast. Yeah. And uh, Tawny Newsom has been announced as the as the host of it. I think that's great news. Yeah, she is uh, really funny and talented, and I think that'll be awesome. I don't think I'm violating anything by saying that we actually did have a brief window where we thought, we might be considered as the hosts of that show. Yeah, you even went and tried out for it. Yeah, and uh, and that was uh, amazing and weird. And I think that like in the aftermath of trying out for it, I was like, I don't think I want to be that person. I don't think that's the job for us. I think I think I like doing what we do. Yeah, 
and I think that that will be a good show, but it it will serve a very different function. So I don't know. I I brought that up because I saw some people kind of smack talking it on the internet, and the reason we tried and failed to start a rap beef with Mission Log was because people smack talked us when we started our show. Right. And I don't think I don't think that we need to be I don't think we need to be engendering that uh, going forward for other things. No, I I totally agree. You know, in, infinite diversity and infinite combinations, and I think that they picked somebody great for that show, and it, it will be a good show that will be different and not in competition with ours. So, we've both met Tani a bunch of times, and we like her quite a bit. I I think yeah. she's great. So I'm I'm super pumped for her success, and I'm interested in listening to this show. To be honest, yeah, it's going to be great. Do you want to talk about Star Trek Picard? Go through this trailer. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's hard to put into words like the feelings I had, like about to to click play for the first time, and then after the two minutes were over, it was hard not to be like really legitimately emotional about it because I would say like the thing that I had to compare this to was when the Abrams Star Trek movie started getting teased in two thousand nine. Right. That was after a long, long time of thinking, well, Star Trek's over. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, Nemesis is the last we're going to get, and that was not a fun way to go out. Right. That ended on a bit of a down note. And you had, like, a year of, like, is a reboot going to happen? Holy shit, it's going to be a reboot. And then you, and then the dribbles of news come out, and then all of a sudden, like, the, the feeling of seeing that first trailer, the very first Star Trek trailer for J.J. Abrams was chilling and amazing and beautiful. Yeah. And this felt a lot like that. It felt like being given the gift of something that you thought you'd never be able to receive. Like, I just sort of wrote off the idea of ever being with this great character again. And it's amazing to be given this two minutes to, to like, be given hope again that it's going to happen. It really struck me how far television has come in terms of what it is possible to produce yeah. with a television budget uh, since TNG, which was a, a very high-budget show for the time. Right. Uh, this just looks insane. Like, there's beautiful, sweeping exteriors, and I guess, like, obviously that's true of Discovery and stuff, but it changes what it means when you're seeing a character from... TNG walk around in it. The people who have shit talked the paywall on CBS All Access and have said and have been like hardliner, I'm never going to pay for Star Trek people, like this is what that pays for. You can't yeah. make Star Trek Picard on network television. No, my uh my friend Dan Cooper wrote a really interesting piece for Engadget.com about how niche this show is like its source material is like star trek nemesis and a show from you know more than 20 years ago now yeah and star trek voyager like you have to be up on a lot of television for this to be meaningful to you and it and it's almost it like if this finds a mainstream audience and i think it could if, but it, but if it does, that will be a remarkable achievement given <laughs> yeah. how nerdy some of the some of the deep cuts in this trailer are. Yeah, I read that article also, and it gave me a lot to think about. I'm not sure if I entirely agree with the premise of it being maybe too niche for 
a broader audience. I think Sir Patrick Stewart fixes a lot of those problems. Just That's true, yeah. Being the person that he is. But yeah, <laughs> it, it seems like a miracle that we're even able to talk about this. So there's a, a lot in the trailer, a lot of big reveals. I mean, I think everybody listening to this will almost certainly have seen it by now, right? If you haven't for some reason, stop the show and watch the preview. It is worth your time. Like yeah. we're not bullshitting you about how great this trailer is. The vineyard seems to be a pretty major location right. in terms of how they're marketing the show. And I wonder if it is just where the show starts <laughs> or if it's like if if he is going to come back to the vineyard, is that going to be like where a lot of the show is set? Well, there's two ways that CBS is going to make money from this production. It's the it's the subscription pay model to watch the show, but it's also you have to join a wine club in order to watch <laughs> Star Trek Picard. And uh, it's going to be $80 a month. You're going to get four bottles of Chateau yeah. Picard wine, yeah. and you're going to get access to the show. Sunday night dinners will be Chateau Picard with uh, the roast chicken or something. <laughs> Alex Kurtzman has said, like, from the start, there's going to be, like, a thoughtful Picard, like, not a sad Picard, but a sort of a restless Picard, and that is definitely yeah. the tone we get in the beginning. The idea of a guy who, like, tried to make it in the real world and is, he's like our dads who are recently retired, but, like, not super happily retired, I would say. Right. Kind of wanting. Still having plenty of plenty of energy and looking for a place to put it. Right. Yeah, we see a, a Borg cube. We see a kind of a, a kind of a, a motley crew. It, it sort of looks like there might be some elements of like putting together a team and that team being more roughshod than what we're accustomed to seeing Picard commanding. Yeah, I think one thing that we can rule out from this trailer is that is that Picard comes back to Starfleet in some way. Yeah. It appears from the trailer as though he asks for Starfleet's help and is denied that help for whatever reason. But he does come back to action jacket. Yeah. <laughs> so great. It made me sad. Like, I, I would expect the show to address this in some somber fashion, but the idea of Picard owning a com badge and then being given a visitor's pass is so humiliating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, That's tough. One thing that's been discussed is uh, it seems that Hugh is going to be a part of the show. Right. It would seem as though the the Borgs as a thing are going to be a major part of this story. Right. Maybe because, even the A story. Yeah, Seven of Nine is uh, is in the trailer, and she's... Uh, I know that you're less of a Voyager stan than I am, but <laughs> uh, like one thing about Seven of Nine is that she... Like she's an ex Borg who was uh, was Borgified as a preteen, I think. Yeah, and has no social skills for most of the Voyager run, and kind of like a lot of her character development in that show is about reconnecting with the human side of her personality. Right, and it seems like a a lot of progress has been made in that sector uh, with her character because she's got like she's got attitude and 
carries herself very differently from what has come to be familiar for that character. I think it's very telling that the depictions of the Borg in this trailer are not in a time of war because we get shots of a Borg ship's exterior and it is not under fire or firing. If anything, it's surrounded by what look like transport ships. And yeah. our friend uh, our friend Brandon Bird had a really great theory about this that I totally co-sign which is the idea of this cube being used for research purposes like the idea of a of a Borg ship being used as a science facility maybe yeah. as a way to uh to unimplant people in the collective and return them back to normal life I think that idea is fascinating, but I also like the idea of Hughes Borg Museum at Wolf 359. <laughs> yeah, you you pay a five dollar admission, and it's like those roadside uh, yeah, tourist biggest, stops, like that, where you can pet an alligator. Biggest ball of twine, and it's super dangerous, and like there's no reason it should ever exist. Yeah, yeah, all of their liabilities are. Yeah, you do not want to go to the Admiral Hanson cafeteria at Hughes Borg Museum. <laughs> the dining does not go well, Benjamin. Yeah, the the trip to the to the latrine afterwards <laughs> does not go well. Yeah, I noticed that it was it was all kind of blue lighting accents on that cube, which is very distinct and different from the green cast that Borgs have had in past depictions. Yeah, and we may even get an interior shot. There looks like uh, a shot of the inside of a cube, and there's like a fun. This facility has gone five thousand days without an assimilation, like. Business is is happening on this thing of right. some kind. This normalization of the Borg is a really interesting thought. Like, are people dressing as Borg at music festivals in this <laughs> in this future? Probably. That's appropriation, Ben. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try to be a little bit more respectful of <laughs> of the Borgs. Right. Um, I think that the the real show-stopping reveal at the end is that uh is that data is in this in some capacity it sort of seems like he is almost like partial data or something we see drawer data and (laughs) Uh and, but the data that he's playing cards with in the little button on the end of the of the trailer you know it's brent spiner and he's being like benjamin buttoned to look as much like data from TNG as they can because data wouldn't wouldn't age the way Picard would. You remember the, I mean, who could forget that scene in Star Trek Insurrection where Data walks underwater? Uh-huh. It kind of looks like they dredged up Data <laughs> <laughs> out of that lake. Yeah. Either that or like uh, there was a time where I briefly had to go on uh, on steroid medication uh, for an illness. I was. Uh, I was feeling, and your face puffs up like this. Yeah. Uh, you're retaining a lot of water when you're on a steroid, and I'm making a lot of fun of how Data's face looks here, but uh, I am very happy to see him be a part of this. And that whole reveal at Comic-Con of, like, guess who's coming out next? Like, we, we're bringing out Jerry Ryan, and people are losing their minds, and then we bring out Brent Spiner, and people are just melting into the floor. It, yeah. Like, what, like banger after banger at Comic-Con. Yeah, and uh, it looks like Marina Sirtis and Jonathan Frakes are going to make appearances in the season as well. I am a new millionaire, Ben, for betting on the return so strongly 
of yeah. all these TNG characters. Uh, congratulations. Yeah, I'm going to use the money for good. <laughs> Should we move on to short tracks? Yeah, I think before we do, uh, are there any like final thoughts about this trailer? Like, It looks like Picard is involved with a young lady who he is inspired to save, who she is very drawn to him for a mysterious reason. Yeah, Someone, she seems to kick a certain amount of ass. I do like that. Uh, this admiral that Picard is talking to does not appear to be a familiar, though I was uh, I was hoping for some canapes on that glass table. Admiral Nechev and Valerian canapes? It's Admiral Nechev. Are those Valerian canapes? Admiral Nechev. Well, the canapes in my ass. That's the Ritz cracker and chopped liver. <laughs> that, that would have been nice. That is Chekhov's glass table in that room. Like... <laughs> It would yeah. have been great if, like, the admiral gives Picard bad news about his request, and Picard's and he like, just drops a, no! a heel through that. No! <laughs> All he does is break glass ships. She goes, "You broke my little desk." Yeah. <laughs> That's the reason that Picard's not in Starfleet anymore. His temper. <laughs> the HR department just couldn't couldn't handle it anymore. I was at Comic-Con too early to get the special Star Trek visitors badge. Like there was a ton of cool freebie shit there that I didn't get either. (sighs) I missed basically everything except awesome hangs with JK Woodward. And that was it. Like that was great. But uh, yeah, I I did. I was not uh, the beneficiary of any special giveaway. I was at dinner the other night with some friends of the show, uh, Manu Sadia and his wife, and uh, they asked me how I felt about all of this new stuff. And I said, you know, when we started this project, Star Trek was a finite resource, and it is now not. Right. It is being continuously replenished. Uh, There are going to be six Short Treks episodes. Right. uh, A couple of which are going to be about uh, Pike and Spock at number one. And then Kurtzman kind of implied that they're thinking about making a spinoff that's set on the entrepreneur pre-Kirk. Right. Starring Anson Mount, Rebecca Romaine, and Ethan Peck, uh, which would be pretty wild. Yeah, there was a super cheeky moment by uh, Kurtzman who's like, anyone out there want this show? Right. And the room just explodes, as you would expect. And he's like, oh, that's good to know. <laughs> Well, here's some short tracks for you. You don't ask that question if you don't know that the room is going to explode. Yeah. But also, like, it's hard for me to imagine asking that question if you don't know you're going to be able to deliver. Yeah, that's a mean question to ask. And I don't think he asked it before the short tracks announcement. I think, I mean, I'm probably wrong about that. But, like, there's an order to that operations, I think, that is either cruel or or kind, which is... Does anyone want any more of this crew? Well, here's some short treks, or after the short treks is dropped, to ask that same question. They have very different meanings. No, I mean, I think he was talking about a series when he said that. I hope so. That would be pretty wild. I mean, speculate on that if uh, if you're a TOS head. Rob is uh, just going to quit, right? <laughs> <laughs> Rob is seeing all this coming, and he's like, this was a lot of fun for a while, but I actually <laughs> don't want to edit Star Trek podcasts full time. You're incorrect. <laughs> don't worry, Rob. You can also edit Friendly Fire and make all of your great shows. <laughs> wow. Pumpkin Spice Podcast. The Pink Jeans family of programming. Yeah. You know what he's going to have to do is quit his real job. Yeah. 
He's going to have to become a full-time indie podcast superstar. <laughs> Make the leap, Robs. So then we got uh, some Lower Decks news. Right. And this is still still pretty broad strokes. I don't think that there was a trailer, but they revealed uh, the characters. They uh, There's eight named characters and uh, and the actors associated with them. Tony Newsom among those actors. She's right. going to be one of the one of the ensigns in the main cast of Lower Decks. So that's I think really smart synergy on the part of CBS. I think so too. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to seeing how that show turns out. I was surprised that the art style is it's it is not directly Rick and Morty. You know, with a Star Trek skin painted on top of it. It looks like Starburn's fingerprints are all over this, and I can't find anywhere that confirms that or not. But yeah, it definitely looks that way. I thought I had read that this was going to be a Nickelodeon show. Is this not the same as the children's cartoon Star Trek that has been teased, or is this that? Because I also read that this was going to be like an adult-themed cartoon like for, for all ages. Boy, my understanding was that there was a different animated show that's huh. about like the Academy or something right. for Nickelodeon. There you go. Yeah. That's got to be it. But they may have been intentionally vague about that. So I don't know. I don't know exactly if the answer is, if my answer is correct. The more I hear about the Lower Deck show, the more interested in it I am. Well, we will cover that and all of this other stuff uh, here on... The Greatest Discovery, which brings us uh, to Discovery Season 3, which is already in production. Right. Yeah, shooting in Iceland. Yeah. There's some photos from Episode 1. It looks like they make a pretty rough landing in the future. (laughs) Uh, First shot is like Sonequa Martin-Green in the Red Angel suit, like face down on like a pile of rubble, so... Yeah, yeah, the word is they did not end up where they intended to be. Yeah, so uh, I'm super excited about that, and uh, I don't think we have much more information than that, unless you found something I didn't. No, no, they introduced a new cast member. Uh, There's going to be, I think, a few more short treks. Are there short treks having to do with Discovery? I think there's six total, and two of them are going to be animated. Right. And... uh, one of them is going to be kind of a prologue for Star Trek Picard, but... Yeah, and, and then we get some Pike and Spock and number one stuff. Yeah. So I think uh, worth watching all of those because you never know what's going to lead in and what isn't. Yeah, if we learned anything about last year's Short Treks series, it's that uh, they were canon for sure, and if not necessary, required. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what we came here to talk about today, Adam is uh in addition to all this big and exciting news is the the exciting conclusion to the menagerie <laughs> that's right on uh, on the greatest discovery in the off season if you're new to the show uh we go back and do some fun research and we're in the middle of a project that is an examination of the captain pike character we've seen a couple of episodes up until now and uh, today's episode is going to be the second of a two-parter on what happens to Captain Pike at the end of his story. And uh, it's the original series. It's The Menagerie Part 2. Ben, I feel like you could 
uh, do a recut of Menagerie Part 1 and 2. How long do you believe the runtime would be on that if you were to excise all of the cage from it? 15 minutes? I feel like a little less than a, an episode. So it, so they probably burned the budget of less than one episode to mount two episodes. Part 2 felt like it had a lot less new content than Part 1 did. It did, yeah. I think that a lot of part one was about setting up the idea yeah. of the clip showness of it. And n- now that that is set up, they can kind of sit back and just watch the show. In a Dan Savage style, tell the other person what you want to do, then tell them uh-huh. what you're doing, and then tell them what you've done. I feel like every commercial break is another opportunity for a captain's log to be like, in case you weren't watching the show up until now, <laughs> here is exactly where you need to be. And the beginning of the episode is like that, except like we catch up on what's happened and we get Spock and Admiral Mendez uh, doing the pleads for the crimes. And they do it composed as an 80s music video. Like they're not looking <laughs> at each other. Admiral Mendez is in profile. It's super fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> Like there are there are twenty Tears for Fears videos that copied this blocking. Sure, yeah, I feel like uh, Queen did this a few times. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get. We should probably issue a, a correction because we got about ten million tweets that we uh, misnamed the actor that is playing Burn Victim Pike. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it turns out it's a different guy. Uh huh. Yeah, that is uh, that is Sean Kenny as Burn Victim Pike. Hmm. I guess uh, maybe one of the ways that they saved budget was not having Jeffrey Hunter get in loaf and then not say or do anything. You imagine them ever offering this to Jeffrey Hunter, and uh, he's like, <laughs> "Hey, you know that pilot that uh, that got picked up, but we didn't cast you in the main role. <laughs> you want to come back for?" A, uh, a non-speaking part in that show for two episodes? <laughs> How about doing us a solid that does nothing for you? Yeah. I don't know, but I think he's well cast because he, he, he does look like Jeffrey Hunter under all of that daubed-on makeup. Right, right. You know, this this episode, that Tears for Fears music video at the beginning is Spock pleading guilty, you know? The trial is against a man who has pled guilty. <laughs> you you would think that they wouldn't have to do a trial in that case, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Spock is doing everything he can to expedite things. Like they reach a guilty verdict later. You don't need to do that when they plead guilty. Especially when we find out the expedition of things is actually against Spock's interests. Right. It's weird. Yeah. So... We watch a bunch of The Cage, and we pause periodically either for dramatic effect or because uh, because burn victim Pike is very tired. <laughs> Occasionally, they'll uh, the you know all these all of the episode that we're watching it has been explained is being beamed to the ship from the minds of the aliens on Talos Four. I don't know why burn victim Pike is so tired. What's he doing in the chair? Like a bunch of kegels? Like, should have the stamina for this. We can't see his lap or his hand, so, you know, I can think of some things that you could do secretly in that chair that would make me sleepy. (laughs) Stuff that you would do with your head down? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's watching that axe fight 
on Rigel. Yeah. And it just uh, really puts him in a certain mood. Yeah. That axe fight does not get any better the second time through. <laughs> it really doesn't. Like crazy fake dirty teeth on that guy. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, they stop it uh, for commercial and for Pike's well-being. And then, you know, as time goes on, it becomes more and more clear that they are not in control of the ship. They are not in control of what's being shown on the view screen. They're not in control of the vertical or the horizontal. Yeah, their grasp on their circumstances is being made clear as time goes on. And I think that, like, part of the problem with special order number seven is that uh, it does not feel the need to explain itself. Like, everything is super hush-hush about what's going on with Talos to the extent that, like, they're making the case that even the Admiral needs to be clued in on why it's such a such a problem. And, like, Spock is kind of playing it for, hey, let's uh, finish watching this episode and you will understand all of the stakes and why I am doing what I'm doing and why it must be done, you know? And... You know, maybe from an operational standpoint, Starfleet could, like, let an admiral, at least, know <laughs> what's up at Talos for. Right. Yeah. Just hearing you say Special Order 7 made me think of the uh, of the two cheeseburgers meal at McDonald's. I used, they used <laughs> is to, they, is that what that is? I believe it was. Yeah, it's not on the menu anymore. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, Adam. Yeah, two cheeseburgers was my jam. I only go to McDonald's once a year, and it's for that McRib. <laughs> Usually only in November, I go and get two McRibs and a small French fries, and then I feel sick for the rest of the day and go, oh yeah, that's why I never go to McDonald's. Yeah, gross. I haven't eaten a McDonald's, I think, in 10 or 15 years. It has been a long ass time. Maybe I'll go have that McRib with you sometime. Oh, you'd love it. It's delicious, but it'll, like, the effects all seem to be mental. Like, Mm -hmm. I... My body isn't messed up. It's that like I'm I like see cross-eyed for the rest of the day. I don't feel like my body processes salt very well. Like when I eat something uh, especially salty, that gives me the rumblies big time. Maybe in a bigger way than any other kind of food. Hmm. I don't know what what that's about. That is very interesting. I feel like I like a lot more salt than I ever realized. Like mm-hmm. I started cooking with like l- like more liberally with salt in the last few years and I feel like my cooking has gotten way better but I feel like that's just like one of the tricks of restaurants is they put in a lot more salt than right is typically done in a home kitchen and you're like wow this is so full of flavor right Uh, one of the things that watching a clip show affords you the chance to do is like on the second time through scrutinize performance Uh, There are a lot of shows that we do for Greatest Gen where we'll watch the episode a couple of times. And I think think the Menagerie (laughs) uh, sort of puts its thumb on the scale of how many times (laughs) we'll we'll watch a thing uh, for extra scrutiny. And one of the things that I picked up was whenever Pike uh, gets angry, his voice goes crazy. Sounds like David Brunt from Hobo with a Shotgun. (laughs) Like, he's got a real snarl in it that I don't remember the first time through that I really like. Did you... We talked at the end of the last episode about going back and rewatching the disco episode that this references. Did you you find yourself doing that? I did not watch that for the fourth or fifth time, no. (laughs) 
Uh, I, I went back and watched a bit of it, and the two things I was struck by was like how Anson Mount's portrayal of Pike is very much his own, but super in the spirit of Jeffrey Hunter's. Uh, which I, I I thought was a pretty cool trick that it's it doesn't seem like he's he's doing a Jeffrey Hunter impression, but also it's not not Pike. What would you characterize as in the spirit uh, specifically? Well, I just like I think like Bruce Greenwood playing Pike, it didn't feel like anything. It just felt like Bruce Greenwood being Bruce Greenwood, you know. Which was a reason that I liked that Pike at the time without having any other. Uh, any other basis for comparison like i love yeah. bruce greenwood but you're right that was bruce greenwood in a in a starfleet uniform like and and bruce greenwood is great at playing that thing like yeah. that, like that's like if you can if you can afford to hire bruce greenwood to come bruce greenwood around for <laughs> a few days on mm-hmm. your on your star trek movie yeah fucking do it yeah but i think anton mount like has more time with the character and it feels like he is trying to pay some homage to the Jeffrey Hunter one in in a way that's more explicit hmm. without like breaking the spell of of the character, you know. Right. It's not a bit, it's not a it's not an impression, but it's also it's got more connective tissue. Um the other thing that struck me was the Talosians, you know, in this TOS episode are they're women in the loaf and then they've got male voices being looped in and in disco there are definitely a couple of female Talosians and one male Talosian Mm -hmm. and it's the voices of the actors portraying those characters and I thought that it was interesting that they anonymizing their gender and and in the TOS episode they refer to the all the Talosians as he but I I don't know I, I think that they could have I think there's a case to be made for continuing to do that in the uh disco version I'm kind of I'm kind of curious as to why that they chose not to well we didn't see very many in the disco episode as I recall uh their numbers I think are a mystery yeah but we see two or three in the almost exact same way as we see two or three in the TOS like it's just like one is doing most of the talking and then there's a couple of others like standing on either side you mentioned something a little while ago that is interesting when you look at the construction of the episode which is like we begin with spock admitting guilt and then halfway through the episode they kind of do the floor vote yeah and and pike votes guilty he's the first one with a vote and yeah. then so does Mendez, and then finally Kirk. But that doesn't stop the trial. No. We're going to keep watching the clip show after this. <laughs> yeah. It's almost as if, like, in the context of this trial, they're calling for a vote multiple times. Is it because of the seriousness of the charge? Like, he has to bo- both plead guilty but also be convicted because they're going to kill him? Do they do this every couple of hours to check the temperature of the prosecution and the defense it's kind of a weird way to go yeah they're like a test audience they uh they have like the the dial that they turn right or left as they like or dislike it does feel like they're focus grouping the court martial right yeah yeah (laughs) it does uh by this point the 
present tense entrepreneur has arrived at Talos, they're still not in control of the computer in any way, but so they're just going to like kind of circle the planet while Spock continues his video presentation. (laughs) There's an impatience that Mendez has in part one that is totally absent in part two. Did you notice that? Yeah, he really wants to see this trial through. (laughs) Yeah. Why, once they arrive at the planet, is the trial not over, is my question. Yeah. I think that because Mendez is revealed to be an illusion, it's all like him instructing Kirk on how to act and, and proceed. Like, his urgency serves to motivate Kirk in part one, and his lackadaisicalness serves to slow Kirk down in part two. And that's like, that's what he's trying to do is kill time, basically. It's so hilarious how <laughs> everyone treats this knowledge seriously. Like the the court-martial in Mendez being an illusion meant to distract Kirk uh, in the time it takes to get to Talos. Everyone, upon realizing that, is like, oh, shit, like, you really got me. But yeah. the viewer sees this and the viewer is like, this is bullshit. <laughs> we didn't have to do this at all. Yeah. And, you know, like Deus Ex Mendez. Yeah. Like when he disappears and then the real Mendez radios up and is like, also, don't worry about general order number seven. We have no concerns there. It's like, what? <laughs> like, so the stakes are gone too? What we're told is that Mendez has been watching the clip show as well. And so he's come to the same conclusion as Kirk and Spock do in this right. moment, that, that it's, a, it's an errand of mercy to deposit Pike on the planet's surface. Incredible. Yeah. I, I love that as soon as Pike rounds the corner in the wheelchair, Kirk turns to screen and there's Pike. <laughs> like the whole idea of Spock uh, wheeling him to the transporter room was for them to have some sort of goodbye, but that does not appear to have happened. Yeah. They definitely put together like with the view screen with the Telosian on it. That must just be like a shot that they found in the pilot that they could use as alien on view screen, right? It looks like... Uh, unused makeup test film <laughs> yeah because they like definitely did not bring these actors back and put them in the loaf no no not at all i was very satisfied with the ending of the episode like you could surmise i mean there's a point fairly early on where you could get what the mission was here they're they're hammering hard on vena the whole time like they're not showing the entire episode of the cage. Yeah. What they're doing is showing the parts specifically about Pike's interactions with Vina and how tragic the Vina character is. And you can sort of get, you know, what happened to her is a is an outcome that could happen to Pike if if things fell properly. And so while there wasn't a big surprise by the end of the episode, I was very satisfied with how it tied up. Yeah, I agree. Um it's interesting to think in the context of Discovery, like, what it all means. Because at this point, like, Spock has been to Talos twice, if you call the timeline canon. And then we know that that it's where Pike ends up. Spock's been to Talos so often, he's got, like, a free room at this point. <laughs> like, he's got yeah. status on Talos yeah. 4. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of Talos Starwood points. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, Spock has his mind stitched back together by these people. So it's interesting to to slide this new 
episode into into the old canon and see how it fits. And I think they do a really good job. There was I I feel bad that I don't remember who tweeted it, but somebody tweeted at us that maybe the reason for General Order Seven is not like the danger of the Talosians enslaving the human race, but actually that they know about Starship Discovery and Starship Discovery is such a tightly held secret that that's why. Yeah, I like that thought. I like that too. It feels like Talos is Nexus adjacent to the degree that I started to wonder, like what if Pike intentionally or not were injured in order to return there? What if this place had such a hold on him that he just couldn't let it go and maybe he was a little bit not careful? Like maybe he lived a life after this mission that, after the initial mission, I mean, that yeah. made it more possible for him to return. He's just living in some weird Picard fantasy where it's always Christmas and he's surrounded by children. Right. <laughs> Guinan is there. Kirk is chopping some wood. The the Pike we know from Discovery would never do that because he's always been duty first. But, you know, like the, the Nexus and Talos can uh, make a person do strange things. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and he's fucked up enough in this that, you know, he can't really execute his duty anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's that line in the in part one where they're like, yeah, we just didn't have the heart to take him off the, like, active duty list. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yeah. At every turn, they're not humanely treating Pike yeah. in, this, in this condition. Like, for all they gave Spock to do, for as emotional as he is portrayed in the cage... And as coldly, logically driven as he is in the in both of the Menagerie episodes, yeah. I kind of wanted the Spock monologue of indicting the Admiral for his treatment of Pike, of saying, I shouldn't have to sneak around behind your back. We shouldn't need the Telosians to make this happen for us to know this is probably the right thing to do for Pike. You should have just told me. There was a chance for Spock to do that and still maintain, like, there's a logic to his reasoning there that would have been very interesting to hear. I think it's possible for him to make that case, especially in in the context that he's already guilty. Like, what's the drawback? Right. Why keep the secret? I was disappointed that we didn't get that last conversation that Kirk and Spock are talking about before he wheels Pike out. It's implied that Spock has that conversation with Pike like around the corner, like finally having their, their last conversation, but that clearly doesn't happen. And Pike is just yes knowing him. <laughs> yeah. Did you like this episode, Ben? I think it's pretty good. I think I like the first part a little bit better. Right. Because it does have to do some backflips to kind of get them out of the amount of trouble that it's set up for them. And that's kind of disappointing you know like the fun in an episode of television is when the characters come up with an ingenious way Mm -hmm. out that you can't predict and uh it doesn't feel as satisfying when the admiral calls him up on the phone and says hey death penalty has been suspended for the for the mission at hand like you know the sword of damocles was an illusion the idea that mendez is an illusion was not disappointing or or unsatisfying but you're right that that the conclusion occurs off screen the way it does is yeah 
So I, I don't know. I, I think it's overall an adequate episode, but not as good as the first one. How about you? I also liked the first part better than the second, but though I was very satisfied by its conclusion, like the actual last five minutes of the ep, I thought were were really, really good. I was a little sad at how little Kirk had to do in this episode. This is this is not a Kirk episode by any stretch. He had so much more to do in the first part. Do we ever even see him outside of the mess hall where they're having the the trial? He, I mean, the main weight he's carrying is captain's log weight. Yeah. He's he's just coming out of commercial uh catching us up, which was too bad. There's such a pathos with Discovery Pike in his realization of of his present and future circumstances mm-hmm. and what he went through the first time on Talos that like there's an interesting realization left unexamined for Kirk here. You know, like for a lot of reasons Pike represents a possible future for Kirk too. Pike represents the danger of being a starship captain. Yeah. And there's never any realization of that. He's he's mostly concerned with his first officer, which I totally get. Like that's that's the most acute issue he's got to deal with and whether or not he can ever trust the guy again. Right. But you know, to a greater extent, Pike represents the agony of defeat when you're in Starfleet, and you never read that off of him at all. It's kind of like, you know, I need to be a little bit more conscientious of how how much of a cautionary tale you are, you know? <laughs> I keep working on this project. I could end up like Adam. Yeah, I'm just glad that uh, so many other people who listen to our show have decided not to start podcasts of their own for that reason. <laughs> Maybe we can be a warning to others. Yeah. Well, do you want to see if we have any Priority One messages, Adam? Yeah, let's do it. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Adam, we have one Priority One message here today. It's from Kern, son of Moog. And it is to Voke, son of none. Goes like this. Voke, son of none. Your pronunciation of the name of our greatest warrior, Kales, dishonors all Klingons. Perhaps your human vocal cords are simply not up to the task, or your speech is impeded by the patchy carpet of fur on your neck. (laughs) To regain your honor, try to speak in a normal and non-affected cadence, natural and organic as I do. That's a fun bit. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I love the idea of Kern listening to Voke and being like, God, what the fuck is his problem? And Voke thinking the same thing about Kern. Yeah. I also love the idea of somebody like coming up with a comedy premise and paying us to, to try it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice work. Yeah. That was right over the plate for you, man. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was fun to read. It was, it was well written. Well, if you would like to uh, to pimp us into uh, realizing a comedic premise or, uh, you know, wish somebody a happy birthday or whatever, you know what to do. You head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 bucks for a commercial message. And we really appreciate all of the P1s. Captain Picard, priority one message. I have tried... So many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. 
And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I gonna have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I did. Uh, at one point, they're coming back into the the room where the court martial is taking place, and there's a security red shirt out in the hallway, <laughs> and he's standing like with his arms behind his back and his and his legs spread, but they're just like 
eight inches for like his feet are like eight inches further apart than would be like natural and comfortable to stand. <laughs> uh, you could see this at the I think thirteen minutes and twenty five ish seconds. <laughs> you know what's great is the uh, is the background pipe like totally bisecting his legs. Yeah, right up the butt. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, this guy like. Saw one too many drawings of Superman and decided to stand like that and just looks real silly for it. You know, that's exactly where his mark was. Yeah. Yeah. He fucking nailed his mark for sure. Nice job. (laughs) Uh, Did you have a drunk Shimoda, Adam? Yeah. Much in the same spirit of like noticing things on the second or third pass. Spock's line read of uh, the moment the away team assembles and then only number one and J.M. Colt <laughs> dematerialize from the pad. Spock yeah. like yells to this guy, the women <laughs> <laughs> was just great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like it's not just the read. It's those words that that uh, make for a hell of a combination. Really tremendous. Yeah. Uh, it made me laugh again this time. I have not seen the Spock documentary that Adam Nimoy made, but if there's not a good 20 minutes about that <laughs> scene, I'd be really disappointed. Yeah. Take it back to the drawing board, Nimoy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have an idea for the next episode, Ben, and that is uh, recording something from Star Trek Las Vegas. Is that really the next episode? Yeah. I can't believe it's coming up so fast. It's true. We got a bunch of friends there. We can uh, we can drink a bunch of hoofs. We can yeah. talk about our experience at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas. It sounds like something that'll probably happen uh, between three and four in the morning. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the most shithouse drunk Star Trek podcast we've ever done, and that's saying something. Yeah. Let's really go for it this time. Yeah, that's what I'm proposing. It sounds like you're game. I'm game. All right. Let us do that. Well, uh, great episode today, Adam. We'll leave it with Robs from here. Take it away, Robs. The Robs! The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast, hosted by Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison. It's produced by me, Rob Schulte. And our theme music is by Adam Ragusia. Head on over to MaximumFun.org slash donate to help the ongoing production of our show. You can also support the show by going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and giving it a fantastic rating and review. If you're tweeting about the show online, please use the hashtag GreatestDiscovery. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR. Adam is at CutForTime. And I'm at Rob K. Schulte. Thanks. We'll see you in the next episode of The Greatest Discovery. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.